Hello and welcome to uh, Sheffield Hopcast and welcome to 2023. It's a new year uh, and uh, it's the same old shit because it's us lot sat around drinking some beer and talking about whatever pops into our minds. No, it's not really? It's not the same old shit though, is it? We've got a, a new strategy this year just to build up within the show that right. someone's always missing at the start of the show. Right. And then we can really sort of well, talk and look forward and do a build up. All right, so well, we'll not mention who's not here. See if you, Mr. or Mrs. Listener, can figure it out from who doesn't speak. This is the worst game in the world, isn't it? But all right, we'll, we'll have a go at that. Also, excitingly, uh, we have uh, new mic cables this month. For anyone that was listening to the Christmas special, uh, we'll know that there was uh, a minor incident. I, see, I'd, I'd quite fancy starting this by saying, right, no one set their mic cable on fire, but it was me that did that. So um, yeah, there, that. There, was, there was an issue with a mic cable and a candle, uh, which meant I had to buy one new one. So I thought I'll just buy all new ones. So we have all new mic cables, which is very exciting. Um, was red not available? No, no, no there's no, there's no colours. They're all, they're all, they're red all, not they're available all for me, James? No, no, I no, used no. to have a red one, I think. No, 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 that's... Sure uh, that unfortunately uh, also had a burning incident, but that was less accidental, I'm afraid. I was say, that was intentional, <laughs> sorry, though. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Uh, right. Anyway, hello. I'm James, uh, and uh, we have well almost the full complement and a guest. Um, first of all, let's explain where we are. Um, so I still cannot believe that we are into is this year five now of doing this podcast, uh, and this is the first time that we have been to the beer house, the original micro pub within the Steel City. Um, on Ecclesall Road um, if you like beer you've been here it's like it's it's just it's a given um, so we are very pleased to be joined by John who is proprietor proprietor uh, yeah I'll go proprietor well yeah, yeah. I can't say it but something we'll, like that yeah. Dave's well, very the manager fashion. yeah Dave is the manager he's the uh, he's the main man he's the one who does all the hard work for us is it you work from home then this is my home. <laughs> this is my home. If you ask my wife, I spend more time here, I think. Than... It's really hard to say this without doing a Peggy Mitchell impression, but is it your name above the door? It is my name above the door, yeah, so it is my go. name. Does that still happen? Do you still, ha- do you still have to put name above the door? Is no. that a legal, it's not a legal requirement. <laughs> I'm going to say I've not seen that for ages. Just... Premise license has to be displayed. So it's tucked away behind the bar. Right, somewhere. okay. My, there we go. My name. So my name is behind the bar. Let's find out who we've not got here, because we do have Laura. Hello. Hello. Happy New Year. And to you. It's the 12th today. Is it too late to be saying Happy New Year? No. I think, think it's all right. Keep going all the way through January. See, I was thinking whether or not you can get away with um, uh, doing it all year long. Just when you see someone for the first time of the year, Happy New Year. Like middle of June, Happy New Year. I have been thinking about this, actually. It, it's something that's been on my mind for the last 12 days. Um, even if you've not seen... What if you see someone for the first time in... On the twentieth of February, Happy New Year's not—it's not appropriate at that point, is it? It's not. It's not. No, inappropriate though, is no, it? It's not no. offensive. No, I think it's the rule is when you first see them after. I think when you get into March, that's when you, you know. So we're ruling it. So you're allowing it up to twenty-eight yeah, Feb, are you? Yeah, twenty-eight Feb. Yeah, that's the hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> better than talking about the weather. I'm already. Uh, I'm already. I'm already thinking. I'm not saying Happy New Year to anybody now after this point. Just on the off chance, You're I am going to declare it to the public That's now. It. Is he always this grumpy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There he goes. Yeah, extra grumpy at the start of a new year. <laughs> if you've not already figured out, this is Sean. Sean is here. I Process am. Of elimination. Then who are we missing? 
Shall we, st- shall we try alphabet? So, A. Yes. A <laughs> Thank God it a, begins with A, otherwise, yeah, half the podcast. The original up. male name. Adam. A for Adam. Adam's been stuck in, uh, I assume, Manchester. I think he said Coventry, Coventry, didn't he? Coventry. Which is right. a real shame for him. Been sent to Coventry. Sounds um, like he's had a real journey on the way. I think he's been to yeah. Nuneaton on his way home. Has he? Lovely place. Uh, some, yeah, it looks like a bit of a nightmare, but he is on the way. He's on route. Um, he will join us any second. Um, so we've made it to the to the beer house. How come? Um, I'm looking at, at, at Sean. We've had a bottle share here before. He's, so he's I'm, the, I'm he's sorry. The, he's I'm, the grandfather I'm all right. of the podcast. How, how the grandfather we... of the podcast. Yes. No, the distant uncle is what I'd rather be. He's here. He's here. here Ad, for, Adam. Here for arrived. Adam. The distant uncle's here. <laughs> I, I was just we referring, about referring to Sean as the grandfather of the podcast, which I think is a fair description. Well, I, sure I think, on board I think looking John straight in the eye, I think that me and Laura can be exempt from any criticism of any kind. Because we're not the organisers, Laura, are we? <laughs> we're, we're just the unpaid industry chit-chat. But turns unpaid. up... We each it turns <laughs> up... <laughs> I've not, taken it, bit, I've not taken it personally, don't As worry. a bit of a chat, yeah. what we need to focus on really are the, the, the organisers of uh, the, the podcast. Um, but looking at those eyes, he's like, what have Jim, I walked into? Yeah, yeah. yeah why have we not been here before, Adam? <laughs> I don't know. The important thing he's is looked we're at here James. Now, yeah. To be fair, he did look at James when he said, I don't know. I, don't know. I think like sometimes, it's like bustling small places when we didn't have all the equipment, it just weren't really... It was yeah. hard to do, weren't it? No, it was. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't really viable. Was we didn't it? like so. bastards when it were closed and stuff like that. Didn't we? we had to make them shut. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just so shut. Have we done every other micro pub in in Sheffield, and, and just not this one, the original. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're saving the best for last. That's yeah. fair enough. The what are you th- thinking? We also tried to spread it out for where we were as well. So like. If you, you might have like done like one, but then you think well, we can't do another one in that bit. Yeah, so bit around I'm bit. not. I'm not buying the explanations at all. You're part of I'm, the. You're part. I can of see this. it in John's eyes. I'm saying it on his behalf. <coughs> I'm just not buying the explanations. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, you're here now. That's the most important thing. So what your grandma would say if you turn up two hours late for dinner. She, well, you're here now. So yeah, that's, that's fine. That is the important bit. We weren't actually meant to be here because the the original plan, and we thought this is really clever, is that we knew that you were working on and opening Beer House 2, the yeah. the second in your empire, uh, which is, uh, we'll have to say it's in Hillsborough? Yeah. Yep, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so we thought, brilliant, we'll we'll go there. And I messaged you saying, Brooke, can we come to the new place? And you were like, well, uh, it's a building site, so you can if you want, but it wouldn't be much fun. Um, I don't know why I had it in my head that it would be already open by now. There's so many people who've asked me, and they said, oh, when, when, is, it, is it open yet? And it's like, how fast do you think I can turn <laughs> a, a discount store into, into a working pub? You know, <laughs> these, these things take a bit more time than but, a couple of weeks. There, there are some bars I can think of across the country in, in urban cities that look like a discount store and look as if they've oh, had, like they're done in 10 seconds. Yeah. About 10 minutes. <laughs> and you know uh, what? Invested. That's one, one of the things we've talked about a lot is this is sort of design and how's it going to look? Uh, and a lot go to that, you know, back to brick, industrial side of things. And I like I say, it's probably the quicker and easier side of doing it. But I think we'll probably stick towards the sort of style that we've got here, which is, I think, in The Guardian, was it? They said it's a Victorian 
old school pub, an old, old school Victorian style pub, which I'm not sure that's what I was trying to create, but apparently that's what we did. It's, it's pretty good though. Can, can, can us four come up with uh, an indiv- a challenge, an yeah. individual one word to describe the pub? I'm going to start with homely. Oh, we're going to similar. Go on. Go on well, I've already said it when I got what, here and go I said, oh, it's very cosy in here. Cosy. Oh, you've nicked mine. Homely. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did say it before you even got here, Adam. It's kind of like communal <laughs> as well. I think it's got that, yeah. like, it's kind of, it feels... It's not, but it's more than one word. This, isn't it? Local. It just kind of feels like, yeah, communal, Communi- communal. community, kind of, sort of. Yeah, like, like a urinal. urinal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking communal toilets. It's the, the one back. thing we don't <laughs> have is a urinal. You got one, James. Yeah. Uh, moist. Moist. That's, that's, right. that's what I'm thinking at the moment. I'm, I'm a little bit moist. Hey, I'll All tell right. you what. So you're just warm. thinking about it, I'm pretty sure me and you met here to discuss doing this podcast. We might have done, yeah. We Possibly. sat down there. We're not. We're not. We're not we're never really met before in first. It, so it played. It played a pivotal so, part. So this, this was the original, the, the birthplace. Not yeah. only the original micro. I'm sure we did because then we went around the to, door. Then we the went to Les. The <laughs> then we went podcast. to Lescar. This could have. I mean, I can't remember it, but I can't remember why for tea last night. So that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah, there you go. Right. Well, irrespective so, of whether that's true, John's bought it, and so and look from CCTV. That's a lovely suggestion. CCTV footage from about. I don't know. So have you? So is your mission now to take what is essentially a, a just an industrial unit and make it look like it used to be someone's front room? Yeah. Well, I think so. Somebody was asking me this yesterday. They said, "What are the? You know, what are the things that make micropubs good?" in terms of the design of how they look. And there's lots of different ones. There's lots of people who've done different styles of things. But you, I think communal is a good word and, and community and communal kind of go hand in hand where, because there is shared tables and there are sort of, you are, as you've seen already, people have, can I sit here, can I? So people squeeze in and they start conversations. So I think a lot of the success of the pub is down to people having to share a space, no music. You know, no TV, not distractions, good beer, hopefully. And um, people sort of having a shared social experience, which I think you mix that then with a real fire and, you know. I can, see, I can see, John, lots of, when you walk in here, you see an Irish setter over there and a little cocker yeah. spaniel over here. Are, are you prepared for the pit bulls of Hillsborough? <laughs> are they allowed in? Hey, identified now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. It is going to be an interesting. It's interesting. Having been there sort of stripping out, I think... I, I, I think Hillsborough for me, why we target Hillsborough as an area is certainly as it's an up and coming area. Um, if years ago I'd have set another one up, probably Kellam Island would have been one you've looked at. I'm quite glad I didn't in the end. You know, I think it's massively overcrowded for what it is. Um, so when we looked and I've looked in, I looked in Fullwood, Ranmore, you know, Mearsbrook, Woodseats, I've looked in pretty much every area across Sheffield in terms of where would be a good place. Finding a unit that's got the right size, finding the footfall, finding the chimney pots that are around it. Yeah. You know, that's it's quite difficult. And, and, and looking at Hillsborough, there's a massive amount of um, positivity coming into the area. And there's lots of little bars and restaurants now opening up. Orange Birds, yeah. you know, these ones that have created a sort of new, I think a new sort of feel. And I might be being, I, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, so I spend lots of time in Hillsborough. So I'm not being disparaging to the area at all but the pubs that I've drunk in there are very much different to what we would do. Yeah. Uh, our focus is slightly more on cask beer and having the options of cask beer, like you've seen on today, where we've got you know Arbor and Bristol and Manchester. So I think that all the things kind of connect and all work really for Hillsborough. 
And I'd rather be the first in, or you know, early into a, into an area that's up and coming rather than the last one into yeah. an already established sort of gentrified area. It's a good, it's yeah. good, it's a good plan. Um, so I am also a Sheffield Wednesday fan, so I know Hillsborough to an extent. Trying to figure out where it is, and and my um, so my geography of Hillsborough, everything centres around BNM bargains. So okay. in relation to BNM bargains, yeah. where where are we? I can probably give you another one that's closer. So <laughs> opposite the Witherspoons. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the tram stop. On what side, though? On the opposite, opposite the Witherspoons, so on the tram stop. So you could do a tram crawl, and you could go to the Pangolin, the Beekeeper, and the new beer house, and get on and off the tram, and probably do about seven actual steps. So you can still, you you could do New Barrack as well, if you you just get off at Bamford Street and pop down. Yeah, Yeah, that's another thing about Hillsborough. I'm saying, if you looked at Hillsborough as an area... To, to move into I know quite a few people who've moved into Hillsborough who've been priced out of sort of Crooks and Walkley yep. and you look at Hillsborough it's got the park which you know tram lines it's got I used to teach at Forge Valley it's, got this, it's better now I've left but the schools are alright the schools are pretty good around there it's got a great transport network it's got the shopping centres it's got the thing so really as an area you're, you're a few stops down to Kellam Island you're into town you know it's got a lot lot going for it, it as an area it's definitely getting to the point in Hillsborough now where you know, rather than going there and they're all living near there and there being one place that you like going to, you know, now there's an excuse to spend an evening or a whole day yeah. going there. And yeah. I was talking um, to Charlie, the bar student, and he was saying early on, and he was saying he gets a lot of people from Hillsborough drinking in Kellam Island because there's nowhere for them to drink. Yeah. So they will get the tram to Kellam Island. So hopefully, and it might be soon enough, that there's enough places, that like I say, where people will stay in Hillsborough. I think the restaurants need, there needs more restaurants from where my time I've spent down there recently. You know, you've got the second girlfriend, which is next to Witherspoons, which apparently is good food. A terrible name, in my opinion. I would not be able to go food. in just on the... Every time I get off the tram there and I look at it and I, I just shake my head and tuck to myself. Yeah. And just think, what were they ever thinking? I think I heard There's a story I, behind I, it, isn't the there? The story, apparently, is the the, uh, the owner's girlfriend, you said that is... Like that was ah, it's okay. like a second, that is like a second girlfriend. Like I the like restaurant the story still <laughs> in terms of fails, your marketing, not a great interpretation. Idea. But you're better yeah. to have good food and a crap name than the other way around. Yeah, they're opening their new one soon called uh, Fourth Wife, just uh, <laughs> yeah. just down the the road. Divorce is expensive. Seventh husband is. Uh, <laughs> what what are we calling? Uh, we're uh, are we calling it Beer House too? Just well, as, uh, so, for simplicity, so there, was a, there was a short list of what we went through, and again, can we can we have the short list? Yeah, it was uh, Beer House Two or Beer House S Six. Right. So we went with Beer House S Six. Right. It was again me and Chris uh, are not particularly creative in our. Uh, I can see that. Or imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> what would you call it, Sean? What would you go for? Uh, right. Beer House Hillsborough. That was one, um, but then that would be a big sign. Yeah, that's quite yeah. a lot. And then you would have had the word Hillsborough involved, which is never a, a good thing. Um, <laughs> we, we, yeah. 15 yeah, minutes into the podcast before he started. That's with interesting. The, well, I was also going to ask, uh, will, it get, will it get football traffic as well? Is it close enough to the ground yeah, for it should do. football with it, to yeah, have an impact? With the, with the tram stop and the things. Um, I mean, what we're very conscious is not to dilute what the beer house is and what, what we do. Uh, and I think that area does need that. But then obviously we have to we have to probably account for a little bit that there's 23 football games down there. So the one thing, because obviously the micro thing, we don't have macro products in here. We don't have anything of the mainstream. The beer that I've probably been asked for the most from people is Guinness in here. So we have, oh, I say, yeah, but I've got a lovely milk stout. And they say, no, no, I don't want a milk stout. I want Guinness. So <laughs> there might be a Guinness on. I have got a name. Go on. Not the original beer house. Not the original beer house. <laughs> <laughs> This, is, this yeah. is why we have him, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. This is why. Yeah, I'm not taking any more tips from you. No. 
I realise we are nearly um, nearly 20 minutes in and we've not actually talked about beer yet. I mean, we've talked about beer houses, we've talked about beer establishments. We haven't discussed our beers. Laura, what are you drinking? Um, I've got a pint of the Marble North South. This is a, this a 4.2%. It's called a Petite IPA, uh, which I quite like. And it's, um, it's absolutely fantastic. I was toying between whether to get this or the Marble Bitter. But I don't think I've had North South before, so I thought I'd go for the new one. Um, we are all on cask, aren't we? Which is nice. Yeah. Um, Sean, what are you on? I'm on Manchester Bitter, just to join the uh, the Marble Gang. I've always I've always thought it more a pale ale, loving it. Not that malty, nice hoppiness to it. Obviously, a nice bitterness. We were talking nice about nice condition. Look in the glass. Why, like Manchester Bitter is paler than mm. what you is were, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that explains it. That day. explains I don't really it. Know why? I think it, Boddington's. If you look at the history through Boddington's of the the sort of lighter style yeah. of bitter, so they are. It's called Manchester Bitter. That that style of Manchester sort of bitter. It's not got. In our, in our shop, whenever we've stopped Manchester, which I've always said, why don't they call it Manchester Pale? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, that's I've pint. always had that niggle. Pint yeah, I know it is, yeah. Pale. Or metric in yeah. cans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, let's not go over that, that again. It's messy, doesn't it? Yeah. Can you still buy Boddington's? Is that still a thing? Boddington's. You know what? I think, it, I think it still is. I think you can still get it. I think you can still get it. I'm not sure. It used to be quite big in America, Boddington's. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's slightly pants. ruined Ice cream vans in summer. Yeah, no, it's in a... It's when Mel it's, Sykes kind of ruined it, episode of Friends, didn't they, where Joey goes like, Boddington's! Oh, something really? they're like, going to London, and it's like, yeah. they say that things to think about England is one of them is Boddington's. I still remember the advert. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who was, was the advert? Mel, oh, Mel Sykes. Mel Sykes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Adam, what are you on? I'm on Resurface, Bristol Beer Factory. 5% Pacific Pale, I think. Yep. Nice. Really nice. We, uh, we're doing what? We've had no multiple beers here. John? No, I've got uh, I've got the notorious 3.8% from Bristol Beer Factory as well. Ah, same here. No, no, no. Yes, you've got to do the biggie song, but yeah, notorious is the one. So if it's a firm favourite within the uh, within the pub. It's notorious. Yeah. 3.8 is a great percentage, isn't it? When, you know, we're in January, everyone's trying to just be a little bit sensible. 3.8, good percentage. Happy with uh, happy with that. Really nice beer as well. Um, you said that you know you are um, specialists in in cask. I think when this place first opened, I'm not even sure you had any. Did you have any keg lines on at all? I can't remember. So when it first started, we had the six cask lines. We had the Stansel Pilsner. It's one of the things that we need to have our lager because if you've got ten lads yeah. you want to drink and one of them drinks lager and you haven't got a lager, they won't do it. So so I want something local within that. Um, and then we had we didn't have any keg beer so since we've opened it's eight years eight and a bit years now so we now have four keg lines often feature Dea uh, Verdant uh, sort of different ones and then the lagers have changed now to Low and Brow and ABK so more at the request of the customers who are drinking here a lot said yeah, yeah. it's okay it stands outside but we'd like German beer so, um, so we've got that so we've added pumps as we've gone yep um, but always again with the, with the eye on what the customers want and a bit of quality of, of stuff really You've also got a new addition to the pub in the last couple of years as well, John, uh, which you, were, you you very kindly showed me. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, so I was, was going to ask about just a million dollars. It looked beautiful. So I used to live like literally around the corner from here, slightly further away now, but I used to come in here all the, all the time. Pandemic obviously struck, and that was uh, particularly bad for kind of micro pubs and stuff like that. And I know you went through various different um, iterations there, where you had uh, you you were doing food and all kinds of different stuff. And yeah, that was a roller coaster ride of pizza yeah, slices, home deliveries, 
very creative. And then suddenly, magically, this outside area appears. And I'm like, where's this come from? Yeah. So it, if, there was, if there was any positives to look at what came out of COVID, obviously, like I say, the outside space then became a quite a premium and an important part of the pub. And obviously the front's always been good. We've had the front and that's great. And it's good advertising and people sit and they watch the world go by. And when the tenants who outstairs, upstairs who moved out, at that time, just as the first lockdown hit. And so we spoke to the landlady, so we'd like to take the garden in uh, before new tenants move in, and then they can move in knowing that there isn't a garden. I say a garden, before it wasn't a garden, it was a, it was a yard that yeah. wasn't used, uh, but it was, it, it was part of the tenancy for the flats above, for the flat above. So she agreed to that. Um, and then Gardener Chris, who sat at the bar there, Gardener Chris came up with a plan uh, and they delivered that. Uh, and it's been, it's been a, a great, you know, a great asset to the pub it's made it made a real difference when we had to have you know outside you know, say the roller coaster of having porter pizza coming and deliver and doing food and i think we all put about a stone of weight on because you had to have <laughs> a meal with each drink or whatever it was substantial meal yeah, yeah. Back, yeah, so back in the day a lot of pizza was eaten but yeah so the garden in the back is wonderful it's, it, you know chris did a great job and it's i was just saying to sean when we're out there it's such a quiet space so you can't hear the road the only thing you, you do get you can't hear the pub you really. can't hear the pub yeah, yeah. you can't hear the road the one thing you do get is all the smells from a pollen you get from Mowgli you get from the Thai places you'll be sat there at about 5 o'clock on my phone and go I'm really hungry <laughs> what is it and there'll be a waft of garlic or lamb or these things so it's a sensory experience I will tell you for uh for food but yeah no it's been it's been an amazing amazing they're thing the right for us to kind have. of smells for a second because it's near the toilet so i thought you were going to tell us something different you might get a waft of second girlfriend at the new place <laughs> who knows so that sounds nice well hills was also got a bit of outside space on the back so hopefully we're gonna be able to utilize that so at the minute we're just waiting on the permissions yeah from the council so hopefully ideally we'll be able to use that that back garden as well and get a bit of outside space i think again outside space in the summer months especially with micro pubs you look at you know itchy pig and a couple of other ones um, when you don't have that outside space and it's warm not many people want to go inside you look at dark horse and itchy pig now up on banner cross yeah they've done the can although i do i saw andy yesterday i was taking the piss you know he uh, he stole our benches and he's put them outside so everybody's kind of put those benches out in front and things but yeah and it was a small venue you need those outside spaces of course yeah I don't particularly want to go back over old ground because I think we have moved on. Um, but I know that you were particularly vocal about some of the stuff that happened during lockdown. Me and you recorded a, a, a different podcast um, during that period as well. Um, and you know, you had a, you had a bit of a hard time, and you weren't afraid to, to kind of voice your your opinion about about that. When you kind of look back over that period now. How do you kind of view it all? How do you look back at, at that and, and make some kind of sense of it? Yeah, you know what? I suppose, again, I, I look back on it. The one thing I'm really grateful for is what we had as, as the customers because they, they made sure that we survived during it. Um, a big shout to Toggle, Dan Brockman. So Toggle put their platform out for hospitality businesses to use for free. So we set that up for home deliveries. And the customers, you know, responded so well. We were selling beer on a... I was putting the list out on a Friday. We were buying beer from Arbor because they had no one to sell it to. So we were getting it shipped up here on pallets. Then we were putting it into boxes and it was being sold out within, you know, hours. And then we were doing deliveries. And I'm sure they could have bought beer from supermarkets cheaper. Uh, but they didn't do that. You know, they supported us throughout it. Nice. So and, and we, we, did a, we did a raffle just before Christmas for... Uh, it's Cash for Kids. And that's two of the regulars who organise it all themselves, do it all themselves. And you know what, again, going back to community, they do it all, so they raise £1,800 for the thing. So 
the pub, I look back on it as a, as a time of real challenge and we had to pivot a lot and we had to abide by what I would say daft regulations and you know I was quite vocal with that yeah, and I probably yeah. got myself in trouble sometimes with <laughs> I'm not I'm not good at keeping my mouth shut good on you but what but what happened was that the pub rallied around the community rallied around the pub because they wanted it to survive and they ensured that it did um, so I look back on it fondly and I tell you I look back on it fondly with a you know with a with a premise that I owned a pub so while all y'all were in your house, I could come down here and on my own and have a bang. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, you know, there were times where I look back at it. I think, I think the human mind, I, I lecture in psychology, I'm doing it now at the minute, but I look back on those times fondly and that's because the brain is really good at <laughs> shutting out all the negative things yeah. that happened. And it was a really challenging time, really tough time. Makes you more creative though, doesn't it? It did, it did. And, and it engages you your brain yeah, again. Yeah, to you had to be innovative. Defeat the odds. Yeah. To survive. the outside area. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. The and you know, I'm saying, and pour, pour a pizza. Right, okay, what we need to do? We need to serve food. Right, okay, by the next day, we've got a, we've got an agreement with the local place. We've got the, you know, the, 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 the put up. Yeah, we had to be innovative and we had to we had to innovate and do things. And so home delivery, great piece of delivery. I'd rather it never happened. Yeah, that's how I look back on it. I'd rather it never happened, but it did. And because we have a great community, and because luckily we could pivot, we survived. You know, and that that's how I look back on it. Really, I do think people sort of see the value in this kind of place more now. And you know, it's it's less taken for granted that you can just go to the pub. I think that's how I see it and I know a lot of people that feel the same way you know like, yeah. especially, which is going to be especially important this year you know if people have got less money to spend but what they do have they want to spend it with the people that they care about and that they've spent the last best part of the last two years yeah. to help survive you know they want to carry that forward and I do think those kind of community ties and the measures that people put in place to be there for the community when they needed them are, are, are going to continue to be important and that's you yeah. know it, we'd still we'd I don't know if we'd still be in the same uh, financial crisis that we are if Covid hadn't happened but if we had been and people hadn't kind of built up that loyalty to yeah. the people and the communities that they could see trying so hard to get through then yeah. things could be very different. Yeah, and, and somebody, somebody asked me about that, saying, saying, how did you create the community? And honestly, it was nothing to do with us. You know, we didn't, we didn't do anything to create it. It created it organically itself. Um, and so I think we we're incredibly lucky to have the people who frequented here, who've made it their home and made it their sort of second girlfriend, made it their second <laughs> home, um, and spend their time, they spend their time here with the friends socialising. So, you know, if I could, if I could tell you how we did it, I would be a much richer man than I am, but how it happened, I don't know. But it's incredibly important that that, that does happen. You just gave them what they what people wanted, I suppose. Maybe you know you've, you've given them a space where they feel comfortable being a community, I suppose. And, uh, and there's something that's like welcoming. It's got what people actually want. Yeah. What people can you know sit and chat together. So yeah, it's just. They've kind of created themselves, but you've kind of given the opportunity, facilitated yeah, it. Yeah. You've kind of put it out there, haven't you? And what what about now then? Because we so we we um, recorded a podcast with uh, Simon Webster from Thornbridge and James O'Hara, who obviously owns a few different venues uh, a few weeks back. When we kind of talked about the way things are now and the challenges in the industry, which after kind of navigating through um, COVID, it, it feels fairly relentless because here we are with a cost of living crisis, prices going kind of through the roof. 
um, and what on the surface looks like a challenging year ahead for the hospitality as a as a whole. How are you kind of viewing the 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 year ahead? I mean, you've got a new venue opening in the next twelve months, so it's got a different slant again for 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 you. What's your kind of take on where things are now, and what what do you need to happen um, over the next yeah, few months? You know what. I think you can you can deal with what's in front of you and this is where again going back to the COVID. you can deal with what's in front of you and what we have got at the minute is obviously the cost of living crisis and the and the the price rises i think first and foremost i feel sorry for the breweries and the brewers because that is definitely they, they've absorbed a lot of the cost at the minute and there's you know price rises have to come uh, from them there's no there's no way around that i think you know, in terms of the, the the sort of margins and things, there has to be a hit taken from everybody around, and that'll be from the customer to the pubs to the brewers. And I don't think there's any way around that. I'm not pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic because I hope that times will ease out and they will change and they will get better. Saw today about the energy um, prices are starting to come down. Uh, annoying that the government have uh, removed some of the cap, the, the wholesale cap. Um, that should so I think the support's gone from 18 billion to 5 billion um, so you've supported these businesses through COVID with bounce back loans and now you're going to allow a lot to go to the wall which means that we as yeah. taxpayers don't get our money back from the money that's um, been already been given out so I think it's short sighted I think it's always short sighted to, to not support the businesses and let them go under um, so I'm not concerned from our point of view because I think I believe in what we do and I believe in the products that we can offer and I think and I hope with Hillsway so this is always a punt there's a punt to go and do something, but I hope that that will, that will work out as I see. I don't think maybe for the first six months, nine months, you know, perhaps it, it runs a deficit or, or breaks even. But I, I hope that in, in nine months' time, 12 months' time, we get back to some level of normality. And um, if we offer the right things and we do the right things, that, that it becomes, again, a, a community hub over in Hillsborough. But yeah. time will tell within that. And, I, you know, again, I can only deal with what we've got in front. Uh, and there's a lot of unknowns, but we are certainly resilient now, having gone through a lot of unknowns in the last few years. So if we have to pivot, if we have to do different things, we'll do that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, again, if you look at the bigger pubs with kitchens, that's a bigger risk. Yeah. Somebody said to me, they said, it's a, it's a daft idea to open a micro pub now. And I said, actually, I think it's a good idea to do it now. It is. Because if you look at the cost and the overheads that you've got, they're a lot less than I, other places. I've past a couple of pubs on my way here bigger pubs traditional looking pubs and there were two people in one through the window three in another and you walk in here and there's no there's nowhere else to sit yeah it's it's just a different yeah. world completely yeah and that goes back to the success of micropubs across the board which is a more european style of smaller yeah. places atmosphere atmosphere and doing those things so i think as a micropub the future it will be you know difficult in the next 12 months but ultimately the future i think is in these smaller sort of venues more hospitable more close up if i owned a, a big pub with a massive kitchen that has to produce food and these things i would be i would be concerned with that you know a pizza stop then I, I, we stopped on the pizzas you can get them delivered here yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah you know there is a, it's a my, you know my local pub which is cross sides on derbyshire lane mm. um so you know that's been taken over and i was looking at the star article and the ones that um, they were advertising i think it was the fagans and it was to the operating profit and the thing. And they were talking, you know, it's £15,000 profit for somebody to go and live in and, and run these pubs. You know, so I, you'd be very brave, I think, to take on a leasehold of a Star Inns or a, or a yeah. pub and take on and expect to do well. It's, um, it is interesting times, isn't it? But I think it's great to hear you talk about it with such a positive viewpoint. And you're right about the fact that, you know, that resilience 
we talk about back to normal resilience has kind of become the normal hasn't it you know mm. expecting the unexpected and just responding to whatever it, this this you know crazy situation that we find ourselves through us has just become like the the norm which is which is yeah brilliant. yeah and again and again not, not to so again not to be pessimistic within that i would be worried if i had a restaurant because i think if the first thing that you look to to cut your expenditure down so you might have gone out for a meal once a month. You might now do it every three months or every six months. Yeah. I think you will probably still go for a pint with your mates near enough similar to what it is. So going out and having three or four pints with your pals gives you a lot of joy and happiness and you're probably spending 20 pounds where going out and putting 150 pounds down on a meal for two, yeah. probably that'll be the one that starts to be the one that you cut out. So yeah. I think in, in our sector of the micropubs, I'm relatively positive. But as a hospitality as a whole, I think it's a it's a horrible situation for the for the industry to be in, and there needs to be more support done for that to do it. Because I say once you lose these places and people go and shut them down, you've got empty shops, no one's paying business rates, you know the tax incomes go down. So, you know they've got to support them. Do I have any faith they will do it? No, no, I don't. No, I don't. Um, let's talk about Christmas because. Um, <laughs> We, so are, we, are, we, are, we are in, in January. I'm we, looking for the signpost for the major change in direction that we've, <laughs> uh, we've just done. Is there a signpost? This, this, is, what, this is what we do, isn't it? Um, so I'm in a slightly different situation to you guys because my Christmas is this weekend coming because mine was cancelled, didn't have a Christmas. So um, tomorrow is Christmas Eve, Saturday is Christmas. That's because you're Jehovah's Witness, so are we... <laughs> No, I, so I, um, I had COVID over Christmas, so I had to cancel the whole job lot. So it's happening this coming weekend, um, which is, on the face of it, it's quite good because January obviously is not the most interesting of months. So having Christmas in the middle of it is brilliant. The downside is all the Christmas cheese that I bought for the whole family ate it all myself. So um, I had, uh, and I'm not making this up when I say this, I had cheese hallucinations i had hallucinations brought in brought on from cheese consumption um over actual you know your christmas normal is that, christmas is that an accepted i thought it was mushrooms are you, are you getting confused or? no no genuinely this was the amount of cheese that i ate i started hallucinating i'm really proud uh, what, of you james <laughs> like cheese you drunk. didn't see the virgin mary it then. Like, yeah it was like cheese drunk did you have a did you have a 16 percent stout at the same time and you're like oh okay. i feel a bit wobbly that might cheese. that might have happened um but what i would say is that um i so i recovered from covid in three days which i think is some kind of record tested positive on the 23rd negative by the 26th was the red Lester all, anything all to i do did with in it, that time think? was eat cheese and drink beer so i think right. i've hit upon the you know the the unknown cure for covid incidentally there is absolutely no medical or, or any kind of evidence behind this whatsoever and i i uh, please do not take this seriously in the slightest but cheese and beer is definitely the cure for covid all right you might get in the Conservative Party. They just kick someone out today, aren't they? For, uh, yeah, I'm going to stand in Lee Anderson's you, you, you might be in. How was everyone else's Christmas? And more importantly, any good beers consumed over the festive period? I'm, I don't have COVID, but I have, since Christmas Eve, had a little bit of a lurgy, which I think has been going round all over. Everyone has. Yeah. Everyone has. Yeah, so, and I'm, I'm still spluttering a little bit uh, tonight. Uh, Deborah also broke a, a, a bone in a metatarsal, fractured a metatarsal oh, over the Christmas period. So we had a low-key Christmas. Um, no turkey was consumed. Plenty of presents. What well, about cat, beer, cat might have had turkey, actually. I think cat might have had turkey. <laughs> But it was all right. I was yeah, going to ask look, if Fiona had a good. Okay, uh, Fiona's on good form, and I, I think I think she did. She did get a turkey tree on Christmas Day. That's thank, good. Thank you to Whiskers or whatever Kitty Cat, whatever that she 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 eats. What, but what about beer? 
I've not sucked as not much for the, beer. Not for the cat, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I've not sucked as much beer um, over the last three weeks as I normally would have. So that's good. That's good in one respect, I suppose. Uh, landmark beer. Yes, I, I do have a landmark beer. And that was uh, the Colonel Bitter. Colonel Bitter Simmons 1880. So uh, as they've done before, they trolled the local archives and found a, a bitter recipe from 1880. Um, wow. 6.5% bitters were quite a bit stronger uh, back in the day. It wasn't a malty bitter. We're talking about the Manchester bitter being a little bit sort of paler. This was uh, orange in colour, marmalade orange rather than fresh orange. And I don't think I've tasted anything like it before. It was just phenomenal. There's real marmalade fruitiness to it. Goldings hopped, I think it was. A lot of bitterness to it. It's fantastic. I, I, I haven't had a, a drink like it before, I wow. don't think. No. That's quite a description, to be fair. That. Very good. I do have a Christmas beer to talk about. I drank a lot of not beer over Christmas uh, because we got some... You know, after my uh, debacle with my wine advent calendar oh, yes. that I was whinging about <laughs> on the last episode, I finally got my refund from Virgin Wines after five weeks of asking them for it. Bad. And I went to Starmore Boss uh, just round the corner from here and hop hide out and I bought some lovely wine with my wine refund. So we drank a lot of nice wine and we also... Um, our Christmas Day starter was homemade ravioli with crab and an egg yolk so that meant we had spare egg whites so we had to make um, pisco sours so we had a lot of cocktails as well because you can't you can't waste good egg white uh, but i did have a standout beer um which was uh, kindly sent to us from salt brewery because jim went over there to brew a barley wine with them a couple of years ago so it was a Salt and Abbeydale collab called When They Bring Back the Riff and that was released they brewed it just after the first lockdown so it was released sort of late uh, 2020 uh, and a portion of that went into Starwood Australian whiskey barrels Ooh. where it stayed for best part of two years uh, that got released um, just before Christmas called When They Bring Back the Riff but slower uh, so yeah, an Australian whiskey barrel aged barley wine which is a lot of words that sound like Christmas to me um, so yeah we shared a bottle of that very good. really really good sounds very nice John any uh, any good beers over, so, over so, so I went to my brother's for Christmas and uh, you could probably describe as not as a nightmare but my brother works for Molson Coors mm. quite high up in Molson so I got the text a couple of days before to say uh, I've got some beers in, but it's all carling. Mm. If you want to get something, so yes, I supplied my own few things. So um, probably the best one. So Verdant, uh, even sharks need water. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. Uh, I had some. I took some days. I also got a case of uh, Abbeydale Heathen. So I take that up because that is quite. It's a lovely beer that everyone will enjoy. Nice yeah. Crowd pleaser. Yeah, it's quite. You know, that is the the calling of the real ale world. <laughs> in a good way. In a yeah. good way. Uh, so that is, you know, that people will drink heathen if they like beer. They'll drink heathen. And it's a good beer to have. So did did, did it out drink the Carlin or was it a close uh, from thing? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it yeah, did. Easy. So we had actually. So I got a goose from First Farms. So we had we had goose and uh, and verdant would have been my Christmas. So. 
you know, Victorian style again, you see. I'm, I'm, I'm always made for the Victorian style of things. It's great up at Furs Farm, isn't it? Yes, brilliant. We got a duck from there because uh, that's where the grain from the brewery goes. Oh, is it? Uh, right, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, Angela Batte, she's a good lady. Yeah, good eggs. Adam, what are you talking about? I'm not your a big Christmas. beer Christmassy drinker, though. Okay. I find it kind of just tends to ruin me a little bit I seem to think that last year you came back from Christmas telling us that you'd rediscovered John Smith's oh no I always, that, that was always like a historical thing where if your grandma and mum dad they always have a case of John Smith's and a case of something like um, drinks you'd never really buy but you actually have a have a can of it with, so, the, with the widget why don't you and John change places next Christmas and <laughs> you can up the oh, car yeah, yeah. but I didn't have any of that this year I just, I think I just kind of kept like a general stock of kind of local stuff. So I had a bit of Triple Point, a bit of Aberdale, and then my brother-in-laws, knowing I were kind of not having much of the old gluten, I got some Burnt Mill stuff because that's local to them, a bit of Brass Castle and stuff. So, but I te- weirdly, I tend to stick to like wine really at Christmas. I don't know why. Oh, that's a different podcast, I think. Isn't it? But not like not in a policy way. Like, well, it sounds get it. through a lot of just like. <laughs> Just some carver and a bit, all a bit, all a bit, all a Pinot Grigio blush. Partial <laughs> to a bit of that, but, uh, but I'll just, I, I'm, I don't tend to drink much over the few days of Christmas. I just feel like, I tend to feel like shit when you go, cause you're eating a lot, aren't you? You just yeah. end up getting like really like, oh, I'll just add a big, quite bloated pint on top yeah. of that. So I'll just have stuff which I kind of graze on. This is easy going. I know I people like, like to get the Christmas beers at these daft. 12% stouts I'm like that's literally for me is the last thing I'd want so we also um, me and Jim got up at quite early on Boxing Day because we went to uh, Totley and did a fell race on Boxing Day that Maniac. was like five miles of crawling up hills so we couldn't do that with a Imperial Stout hangover yeah. but with a bit of a a little bit of barley wine, a little bit of nice cremant hangover. It was fine. <laughs> I love this grading of hangovers. This is this is brilliant. Do a podcast about that at some point. Grading hangovers. Coming to see Sean though, just for Christmas, because I realised that I needed to get my brother-in-law's some presents, <clears throat> and I just kind of just got about twelve different Belgian Christmas beers, I think. So I just, just spoil your shelves. You know, just all your shelves all nicely, like front and all. Like, oh, two of them. Yeah, we don't mind that. It's a good question. What is the, what is your biggest selling beer over Christmas then? Because I know you put your top three on. Oh, come on. No, well, this is interesting. This is not a good question. I don't comment it? on your post when no. you put on the, the top three and it's got like Belgian blue and, 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 and so, I say nothing. So, so the, this is my just answered. You've just answered yeah. your own question by by. Stratospheric million miles. So Belgian blue. Anything else. Used to be. I used to really like it as a beer, 12, 14 years ago. Uh, and in the last sort of six years, when I had it, I really didn't. Is it changed or what it was? Is it your palate that's it changed? It might be my palate. Yeah. yeah, it might. This is, the, this is the question. Yeah. I think the key, the key to understanding it, John, is is yeah. that the people that that sup that beer, no. Obviously, everybody, but um, the vast majority, um, they spend the the rest of the year supping those cans of Carlin and okay. supping those cans of John Smith, yeah, yeah. and having a more generic sort of uh, beer interest. 
So you'd be, you'd be amazed at how many people think that it is absolute rocket fuel at 4.9%. Is that what it is, 4.9? Did it always use 4.9? It did. Did it? Um, but t- to many people, that's a good yeah. 1% more than they would be used <laughs> yeah, yeah, to. Yeah. And if they're going to shift six to eight pints of it, that 1%... So, that's, so when I used to drink it, I used to have to play... When I played football for Armathorn EA, yeah. and we used to drink in the Olinbush... And he used it, to come in. In, in context, yeah. like that. <laughs> yep. And it Bang was on. like going in there and all the lads were drinking lager and I was drinking and then they're going, what's that? That's, that's wrong colour, that. I'm not well, drinking that. Well, now, so, no, it's great, na- this. now you aren't drinking it and no, all of, they and are. All of them are. <laughs> 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 it's the natural evolution yeah, yeah. of the beer drinking world. <laughs> they're chasing you hard. <laughs> it is a different beer, though. But I, you are well you think, I think it's a different beer. It's a different colour. It has a different coloured head and it tastes different. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it used to be much darker, and you got you got like a different white, like a really white head. Where now you get like like it's got a pink sort of hue in it. It's always had a bit of a blue beer. tinge. I thought the well, head it, to it you got like a blue days. tinge. Well, that was the kinda, idea, wasn't it? And it reacted with your saliva. I'm I'm, I'm sure <laughs> of it because you got like flecks through it. It always looked like kind of them spearmint polos used to get. Hang like on, kind of little like. Hang on, have you it. just created a new invention? Are there any breweries knocking anything out that's got a chemical in it that reacts yeah. to saliva? No saliva. Well, what a good there's idea. Um, we there's a. Um, there's a gin that does it as well, but we have put it in a beer before. Butterfly pea flower that's uh, blue, bright blue. Yeah. Like, looks a bit like some kind, blue. Of, yeah, some kind of horrible chemical. But then if it gets anything acidic in it, um, like, you know, like if it's a gin and you put a slice of lemon in it or yeah. anything like that, it turns to a vibrant sort of uh, fuchsia kind of pink. Wow. Oh. That, so, that does sound more suited to gin, actually. The future yes. is scary. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> the, um, in, a, in a beer, it did, it did go a kind of mucky, yeah, yeah. brownie yeah. blue. <laughs> and that lovely best bitter. So it does work in a gin, I would say, more. But, you know. Apparently, it is impossible to make a blue beer. It can't be done. That was the initial. If you go, if you go back way back when, scroll back through your episodes. We did a, an episode of the uh, Hopcast from the launch of Belgian Blue several years ago, um, and um, they were telling us that the initial brief was to create a blue beer. Can't be done. Cannot be done. I've had a blue beer. It was beer. supposed to be a Sheffield Wednesday beer. That was the idea of it. It was supposed to be blue, uh, and it can't be done. So it's the nearest thing to blue. But it is purple, isn't it? It's purple. purple. It's purple. Yeah. I have actually had a fully blue like mouthwash colour blue beer before a long 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 time ago when I first got with my now wife and then you were into beer her parents got me a selection of these like local I think it must have been like in Felixstowe or Ipswich area and one of them bottles like a trad bottle was literally blue like mouthwash it was horrible yeah but it was blue um, I can't remember what brewery it was. It's a green one, isn't there? Pardon? I've seen a green one yeah. as well. Some no, we, we did a St. Patrick's episode during lockdown, yeah. and I got a green no, mint flavour. That was the which was the worst yeah. thing I've ever ever a, tasted. It was a blue raspberry beer. I can't remember the name of the brewery, and I had it in Industry Tap, and it was actually really nice, and it made my tongue well. It I don't think it didn't taste like a nice beer. I enjoyed it as a beverage. But and it tasted it did, better than it looked. It did make it. It just didn't taste like a beer. It was more like a melted, like a blue slushy that you'd get at Disney on Ice or something like that. 
Um, and it did make my tongue go blue. And um, Tiny Rebel have recently done a blue raspberry beer as well. And I don't know how blue that is. I haven't I tried it. I think it is very important. If you're going to make a coloured Play beer, Bruco. your tongue That's must... Must go the colour of the, the beer. The one that like play, an ice pop. The one that Play right. Bruco made. That's who it was, and it yeah. did turn my tongue blue. Going back to the Tiny Rebel ones, it's interesting. How do you feel about Tiny Rebel in the last couple of years? Because <laughs> I used, so, used to be Tiny Rebel when it first, you know, so, I used to like them a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll kick, kick it off if you want. I'm, I'm in a more... I can be... I can say what I want, I suppose, compared with Laura's. Sorry, Hello, Brewer. You two can as well. James knows I say what um, I want. That's the problem. <laughs> Tiny Rebel is still incredibly popular, but there's the Belgian blue aspect of that as well. Yeah. So they, they are... Um, supped and bought by people who are starting their sort of craft beer journey and are just trying to skip across from Desperados or, or something like that. So Pump Up the Jam, for example, the Raspberry Donut Pale Ale, it, 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 it's very synthetic to taste and everything else, just stupidly popular, just because that's the first point of their their start, really. Club Tropicana used to Cheap like that. Well, yeah. And again, that yeah. changed. That changed yeah. into synthetic. Yeah. 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 Just strange. I but think the last Tiny Rebel beer I enjoyed was their Welcome to the Party Pal, their Snowball beer. Yeah. I think they do novelty beer well. Yeah. And they do. And when they say they're doing a flavour, that's generally in there. And that's great. Yeah. My issue is their tendency to promote unsafe practice, be it like the new series that they've done, like the the one that looks like Slim Fast. I just I just don't like it. It just doesn't sit right with me. And that is that's me as an individual. That's nothing to do with where I work or what I do. It's I just don't like it and I think it's crass. And that makes me not want to buy their beer. Even though I'm sure it would be a fun drink that I would probably enjoy tasting. I, I don't like what it means for the industry, and they're doing it to be provocative. They, they know people are going to uh, find that yeah. funny or find that in some way. Like I have, I'm looking at it and thinking, oh, I don't like that. And that's made a reaction, and I think that's what they want. But, but for, the, yeah. for, the, for the one, for, the, for the, each one that doesn't like it, there's another yeah. 10 at least but, that thinks oh that's funny that's interesting that's and silly it, and it is and, funny and they're potentially going to buy it like. and, and people will buy that but the thing is that in the long term you know there are moves at the moment um, like in Scotland there's a bill gone forward to the government that wants the same rules for cigarette marketing to apply f- to alcohol mm. and when you use a brewery like Tiny Rebel as an example yeah. you can see why that that kind of measure why necessary. people have jumped to that and I just think it's potentially damaging to the industry as a whole <laughs> that they're doing that kind of behaviour to be funny and silly and they they are doing that and they're doing but that well what you're saying Sean is that, that 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 brings people in from the it, Desperado it, Lager it, market it does yeah. does that then does. feed the market enough you, to then you, do they move on to something that's yeah. more I, I also used to drink Club Tropicana yeah. like you did and, and we've gone now beyond that yeah. uh, I remember drinking that in the old number seven with a, a mate from Scumthorpe, Max, who's well known in Sheffield and drinks and that, we were both sat there looking at each other and thinking, "What the hell? This is just unbelievable." It's a great gateway, beer, yeah, isn't unbelievable. It really is. really but I think is. they've almost put silliness, uh, actually, to, to be relatively fair to them, they're not bad at brewing a classic beer. It's just that silliness has overtaken everything. 
Dutty was all right. That yeah, kind of like yeah. Callie is a nice West Coast a little pale as well. They're not bad at brewing. You look at their marketing. You look at so so. You look at Beaver Town. It, it, you know, if the aim is to set a brewery up, get to a point where you, then you can sell it for four or five million pounds to Heineken to Malta. Yeah, to I, I, I felt that of Tiny Rebel though for the last three four years, and they haven't yet. No, they haven't, they haven't yet, yet. But yet if you think so, perhaps that is the marketing strategy is to get to that point where they are. Yeah. You know, marketable to the wider audience. Yeah. You know, look at look at the artwork on Gamma Ray and Neck Oil. You could say the same argument about yeah. that is advertised really as a as a sort of as a, as a drink of you know an energy drink yeah. or a thing rather more than alcohol. serious beers both of those I think yeah. than some of the others yeah. Necoil and Gamma Ray and you look at Heineken um, or Moscow's or any of those ones mm. do they buy the, 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 the breweries because the product is good yeah. or do they buy because the marketing is good mm. and then they can sell it mm. and it's probably the latter mm. I've no idea how Heineken currently feel about their their uh, 49% ownership of, of Beaver Town, but you can see on the reverse side of that coin the distribution now that Beaver Town have got. That that they are they are so everywhere. many people that I speak to that I know who are, who are not big beer drinkers, and they say oh, I was in this pub, and I say I always ask them how was the beer like. Say there wasn't much on, but they did have yeah. neck oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's so again, they were happy. Yeah, they had neck oil. That was yeah. all right. So, so the brand recognition yeah. is there. Yeah, it's it's palatable for the yeah. middle market. Yeah. It sells at, yeah. from a bar's point of view, they're selling it five fifty, six pounds a pint. So they're making GP, they're doing the thing. So I bet every one of us here used to drink neck oil in the early yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gamma ray will be popular. It's just whether uh, whether those people, whether the marketing catches them, or whether those people have got enough intelligence stroke uh, I think it's the marketing to, 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 <laughs> move, to move beyond those yeah. but then we've talked about already things. about how we, we, our palace has changed and ours yeah. has moved so are they yeah. just a few years behind yeah. so that's I mean does, do those people then feed into the yes. market that, uh, I'm also very positive and from a, I, I've always said from a supermarket point of view what supermarkets being I've also said it's brilliant it's brilliant if they can get a Carlin drinker yeah. onto neck oil yeah. and how, how long is that person yeah. going to stay with then neck oil the day is and, the and, and, the and we've got lots of customers and, and you'll have the same you can see the progression absolutely in the, yeah in the customer. 100%. yeah our, our bar line when we first started used to be so much more plain yeah compared to what it is now they're all hot forward beers <laughs> now on the bar massive compared to what they used to be and once your customer gets hooked on that that them crap crack hot yeah, yeah. Okay. You, yeah. you can't go back can you you can't go back you're not going back to paracetamol so yeah I think there is an argument to say you know if you look at how the how the industry survives and thrives it is those mm. bridging beers that get people yeah. from that yeah. and perhaps it is the marketing that needs to be so our tiny rebel a necessary evil that we need in order for the, for and the then, industry and to then survive eventually, or not everyone know, goes Laura's back. looking at it it's like no yeah everyone then eventually goes back to lager of course uh, well, do, you, do, right, do they ever right go back the for lager once they've, once they've well, had the, neck the, oil in these the, the evolution all lager. the cool cats in beer are all yeah. into the uh, the German lagers like aren't yeah. they is it still um, Lucas is that still yeah. what, what all the no all no they've gone beyond the gateway gone beyond drug that's the thing that's what we're talking about the gateway drug to real ale proper cask beer the evolution is lager yeah through all the years and everything else and then you get to that point where you then go back to your <laughs> classic lager. 
we're, we're pretty much out of time. Once upon a time, when we did a January episode, we did like the Hopcast Awards, where we uh, did like favourite beer of the year, local brewery, national brewery, which obviously we're not going to do because we've got about three minutes left before we're out of time. Um, any particular breweries that anyone wants to give a mention to from the last 12 months that have really stood out, particularly new breweries or breweries that you've discovered for the first time? Uh, I will kick things off with um, two uh, breweries that um, I, one of them must have come across before, but have particularly stood out for me in the last 12 months. So Pentridge, uh, I think have done some really good, really good stuff. Um, their cans are really good as well. And Rivington, who I think have been around for a while, but I've only really kind of got into buying their stuff over the last 12 months. Um, and some really good uh, beers that I've had, particularly over the last kind of three or four months. Any more breweries that anyone wants to throw up? I'll, go, I'll, go, with the, I'll go with at? the one. I'll go with the one that for me in the last sort of twelve months has been. I've been. I think it's been amazing. Uh, Almasty in Newcastle. Mm. I think they've just been fantastic, producing really, really good beers. So the opposite of the, their marketing is so bland. Mm. Black label name on it, but the beers have just been amazing. I've not had a bad one. Two by two, I would say as well. But Almasty for me has been the one it, that yeah. I think's just stood out and not been shouted about because they're not trying to do the marketing. They're just doing great beer. They're both northeast breweries, Pendridge aren't they? Pendridge and Almasty, big for soupy, soupy cask beers. They do, yeah. 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 They still do the little wooden kind of pump clip things, Almasty. Mm. Used to get like yeah. a little like... Well, did you used to do those, yeah? yeah. No, no, not anymore. They've gone to uh, the, 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 just the Cost round. of living, mate. Cost They're, of living. Yeah, can't exactly. Doing, can't, can't do that. Doing not extravagances that. like that. Yeah. Sean, any... I mean, you obviously, you've, you've got you've got yeah, stuff coming all the time, uh, haven't you? Yeah, Asbecs are only just over a year old. And they have made a, a real impression things over the, uh, the last 12 months. They're very good at their super juicy, hazy IPAs. Uh, they're also uh, very, very good at their big silly stouts as well. So they've made a real impression on our customers. Um, personally, I uh, would shout out to, um, to Loxley. I'm, I, you know I'm a big fan of North Riding and Colonel Pales and everything else. Uh, I do like that 4% uh, pale. And I'm very excited that when I get home this evening with my jacket potato and chicken wings, um, I'm going to try the brand new Mosaic Pale from Loxley. And they've just started to release some uh, new pails in addition to their core uh, range. And uh, from, from a 4, 4.5% pale point of view, I think they're just phenomenal at the moment. Really, really are. And local, of course, too. Yeah. Final word to Laura, anything that you want to give a shout to? Uh, so I'm going to first say the brewery that I feel provided me with the most lovely experience of last year, and that is Little Earth Project, primarily for their beers, but also for their wonderful festival, Little Earth Fest, uh, and the beautiful part of the world they live, and how immaculately they show it off like they've got an absolutely beautiful pub there their breweries there and everything that they do is grounded in where they are um, and yeah I had a lovely time down there and then connected to it so the brewery that I'm choosing is my brewery of the year who we spent the weekend with there who had some great beer there and have recently launched a sort of core range would be Wilderness Brewery who are lovely people making great beer yeah they've just launched um it's called rise fall and it's i say it's sort of a core range so it's a, a pale ale that's bretted um a bitter and a saison 
and the idea is that they will always have those kind of core expressions but what those beers actually are will change according to the season um and i just think that's a really lovely idea really harps back to what beer is you know it's a natural product it does change it does evolve and yeah i just think they're doing some really exciting great things so brilliant right well that's going to wrap us up um john thank you for joining us um, Pleasure, thank you. Enjoyed your rants, they've been good. <laughs> L- that was toned down. Than that were pants. Yeah, that to were pants. So, yeah, brilliant. And thank you, guys. Uh, we will see you uh, back here. I don't know where we're going in February, but we'll, we'll, we'll be somewhere. So, we'll see you. We'll be uh, in the diary. Yeah, back, um, back here in February. Right. Bye. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye.